This is Mitch Ivan. Welcome to the Tuesday Afternoon Podcast. This is episode nine. Unfortunately, I'm late this week. It's not Tuesday afternoon. It's Thursday morning. The week got a little bit ahead of me, and I just couldn't get the episode out in time. I'm going to make a better effort from move from this point forward to always be on time with the Tuesday Afternoon Podcast. Well, I usually talk about politics and self-improvement and whatever else comes up during the week. And we had an interesting thing in politics this morning. So I guess it's fortuitous. Fortuitous? Is that the right word? I'm not sure that um, that we talk about politics today because there's some batshit crazy today. As you probably already know, yesterday was a very bad day in court for Donald Trump as probably every day from this day forward is going to be a very bad day in or out of court for the former president. But he, the uh, 11th Circuit Court of Appeals basically, in essence, said, you know, the other judge, Judge Cannon, that was overseeing Trump's case in Florida is full of shit. They didn't say it that way. And they said all these supposed, all these classified documents that Trump is now today claiming are declassified, um, can be, while the special master is doing whatever the special master is supposed to be doing, uh, the DOJ can continue reviewing um, and using all those documents in their investigation. That was the first thing. Then, of course, there was the news uh, several hours before that, that the special master that Trump, the Trump lawyers so wanted, really came out and stuck it to Trump and called him out on the bullshit and said, uh, basically, you've given me no evidence that these documents are classified because they're not. The, the former president never declassified them. And therefore, I'm going to consider them classified and go fuck yourself. Not in so many words. And then lastly, attorney, New York Attorney General, the teacher. Letitia James announced a um, overarching civil lawsuit against all of Donald's children that is going to be rightfully merciless and um, probably remarkably effective um, in the immediate future about uh, how the Trump administration or the Trump, not the Trump organization, inflated uh, prices of their real estate holdings. to get, in essence, to get, be able to borrow more money from banks, which is illegal. So it should be interesting to see where that goes. The walls are starting to slowly close in on Trump, and I think they're going to speed up exponentially uh, over the ne- the legal walls over the next several months. It's it's it, this is sort of the inevitability of criming for a lifetime, becoming one of the most public figures you can become, continuing to crime, you know, any president's life is going to be uh, viewed under a microscope, no matter who you are, because you're such a such a prominent public figure. But when you've been a crook, and, and a really bad one at that for your entire life, and you've been not held accountable for anything, and your crimes have all been performed in plain sight, and you've been able, just because of your uh, your wealth, which in Trump's case was, you know, basically money that was given to him and money that he, one way or another, absconded. Um, so basically, if you have wealth and you have privilege, um, you don't need to be accountable. And Trump probably would have gotten away with this his whole life had he never become president, 
and then continued to commit more crimes when he became president, but it's all coming to an end. Well, I woke up this morning to a a clip on Twitter. I'm sure a lot of you saw it last night, but I woke up to this clip on Twitter which Trump was being interviewed on Fox News by Hannity. And it was it was almost sad to watch. It was this watching this I struggled with these conflicting emotions, these this, this conflicting experience. One was I have to just call it like it was say say what it was. One was just pure entertainment. It was so ridiculous that it was funny. It was entertaining, and another feeling was like I wouldn't say it's anger. I don't feel that anymore. I would say it was disgust that it's taken this long for Trump to for for. It's taken, how do I say this? That it's taken this long for the wheels of justice to begin to catch up with Trump. And then the last one was almost, and I, it's, I struggle to admit this. I almost hope nobody listens to this podcast so nobody hears me say this, but it was almost pity. Pity because not, I don't pity former President Donald Trump uh, because He's a criminal. He has transgressed in, in, in such a way that not he has ruined lives. People have died as a result of his presidency and his awful decisions making. He has people have been hurt, you know, tens of thousands. He is an appalling example of a human being. He is a sick, sadistic, dysfunctional man. And I don't feel pity because those he he is that and he's done these things but I feel pity for the mental illness you know and I, I, I have this ability to separate the man from his mental illness Trump is Donald Trump is mentally ill he's mentally unstable he should have never been placed in the position that he was put in. And every American who voted for him, even the first time in 2016, should have been able to see that. There's no excuse. I, I still don't. You know, my, my wife and I argue about this quite a bit. There's, she, she still thinks a lot of people voted from their uh, because they they wrote it in their best interest financially. She doesn't. She can't stand Trump, and she thinks he's he's a disgrace and disgusting. But um, those initial 2016 voters, she argues, well, some of them just made decisions, financial decisions, and they were it was a terrible decision that they made. But it was selfish, and I I disagree because I don't think anybody we knew exactly what sort of narcissistic, sociopathic, racist um, scumbag that Trump was in 2016. He made that clear. And you couldn't vote for him without the knowledge of that. And therefore, you couldn't vote for him unless in some capacity you agreed with that. But my wife and I will argue, you know, forever in the big picture about this. In the big picture, we, we agree that he's a scumbag. But, um, but irrespective, I'm getting sidetracked here. Um, the, 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 the third reason, the third emotion that I was feeling, though, was 
pity to see somebody this mentally unstable in general. That is a sad thing to see. And the American people and the ambitious, morally corrupt people that surround Donald Trump are responsible for putting a sick man into a position that a self-destructive position where over four years, not only could he damage the country and the world exponentially, but he could further devolve into delusion. And so this in this interview with Sean Hannity, if you didn't see it yet, you really should Google it. I mean, Google Trump. Uh, you'll find it quickly if you Google something like Trump. Um, what, what did I Google to pull it up after I kind of saw it on Twitter? Trump thinks declassifying documents and it'll pop up. You'll, you'll see a million of them and you'll see, the, you'll see these clips. So basically, how did he ask them about the declassified documents? Did Trump really do it? You know, how did he's trying to give them, trying somehow, because Hannity is a Trump sycophant, trying somehow to give Trump a lifeline. <laughs> but you can't give this man a lifeline. He's incapable. If he's sort of like, if he, if he were drowning, you know, it, you know, in the sea and you threw him the, like a lifeline, you know, one of those round lifesaver things that, that we always see in the movies, he, he would grab that and just swim to the bottom because he's so self-destructive. So Hannity tried to, I guess, throw him a lifeline, but he, he said, um, and obviously I'm paraphrasing it, I would love to play the clip. Actually, I'm going to stop this recording right now, part one, and I'm going to see if I can integrate the clip into the recording. And I record right over my phone. I, if I can do that, that will be awesome. If I can't, yeah, it's not the end of the world. I'll, we'll just come back and talk about it. Here's the clip. Let's enjoy it together with some commentary, shall we? Because I, I think this is the next logical question. Because the president of the United States, you, unlike, say, Hillary Clinton in her case, right. a president has the power to declassify. Correct. Okay. You have said on Truth Social a number of times you did de- declassify. I did declassify, yeah. Okay. Is there a process? What was your process to declassify? It doesn't have to be a process, as I understand it. And, you know, there's different people say different things, but as I understand, there doesn't have to be. If you're the president of the United States, you can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified, even by thinking about it. So you can declassify things now in Trump world, in Trump's mind, even by thinking about it. This is when I first woke up and I saw this on Twitter, obviously Twitter's having a field day with this. Folks are are joking that Trump has now determined that he's telepathic and he believes he can telepathically um, declassify things. He's, he's so, obviously you can't classify things by just thinking about it, but he says that, but let's continue. Because you're sending it to Mar-a-Lago or to wherever you're sending it. Because you're sending it to Mar-a-Lago or to wherever you're sending it. Trump literally just invited the Department of Justice to raid his other properties because he suggested that there's a potentiality that he not only sent these documents that he telepathically declassified, potentially, because he might have thought about it, 
to Mar-a-Lago, but he might have sent them to other properties. So let's continue because he continues once again to devolve in this particular interview. And there doesn't have to be a process. There can be a process, but there doesn't have to be. You're the president, you make that decision. So when you send it, it's declassified. We, I declassified everything. Now I declassify things and we were having a lot of problems with NARA. You know, NARA uh, is a radical left group of people running that thing. And when you send documents over there, I would say there's a very good chance that a lot of those documents will never be seen again. There's also a lot of speculation because of what they did, the severity of the FBI coming and raiding Mar-a-Lago. Were they looking for the Hillary Clinton emails that were deleted, but they are around someplace? Were they looking for the well, wait, spying on Trump? you had it, dude. No, no, they may be saying, they may have thought that it was in there. Okay. And a lot of... So throw at anything you can because you're desperate and nuts. Not just throw away, throw out Hillary, but Hillary's emails, but throw out that they were looking for Hillary's emails. And even had any, kind of had to say, wait a minute, are you saying that Hillary's emails were with your classified shit at Mar-a-Lago? Hannity even had to say that. And of course, Donald was like, no, yeah, no. Uh, anyway, let's continue. So the only thing that would give the kind of severity that they showed by actually coming in and raiding with many, many people is the Hillary Clinton field, the Russia, Russia, Russia stuff. Oh, so now not only are potentially Hillary email, Hillary's missing emails in with the classified documents that Donald thought into declassification before he sent them to Mar-a-Lago and maybe anywhere else. But the Russia, Russia, Russia stuff could be in there too, guys. The Russia, Russia, Russia. Or... I mean, there are, there are a number of things. The spying on Trump's campaign. So they spied on my campaign. What else is there to say? The clip speaks for itself. It's going to get loonier and loonier from here. Trump has no one to protect him at this point. Like Mary Trump said several weeks ago, he doesn't have his father to protect him. He doesn't have the banks to protect him. And he doesn't have the office of the presidency to protect him. For the first time in his life, he's going to be facing real accountability. And facing real accountability is going to cause him to devolve emotionally further and further. And on the one hand, the process being played out in the media is going to get more and more entertaining. And on the other hand, it's going to get more and more pathetic to watch this transpire. Now, let's do a fake commercial. I do fake commercials, one, every single podcast, because my intention is at some point I'm going to be sponsored by real sponsors. I don't know if they're gonna like my fake commercials, but we'll get there. Does your child like Lego? Do you, like me, think that your seven-year-old child is a Lego genius? If the answer to both of these questions is yes, then I highly recommend you spend $179 and purchase your child the Lego Ferrari 488 GTE AF Course number 51. This particular Lego is designed 
for children 18 and older, and it has 1,677 pieces. Now, when your genius child like mine gets this Lego, they will start putting it together right away. It's red, it's bright, it has yellow and green and blue stickers on it. It is every level of awesome. Within nine to 11 minutes, your child will become remarkably frustrated. They will get upset, they will cry, they will scream, they will ask you for help. But if you're like me and you have no competence when it comes to Lego, you won't be able to help them either. But you'll try, you'll get aggravated, you won't throw a tantrum, but you'll really be upset. You can even continue this process for several days. You can put it aside and say, let's get back to this tomorrow when we feel better about it. And then tomorrow you'll get just as aggravated again. But, and most importantly, if you purchase the Ferrari 488 GTE AF course number 51 Lego for your child, even though you could be looking at seven days of aggravation before you give up on the whole thing, put it in the box, put it away, and assume your child is gonna pick it up again at 18 years old, you will be able to tell all of your friends that your child is a Lego genius and he or she is doing Legos for those who are 18 and older. I think it would be appropriate now after talking about politics and how depressing they can be at times to talk about something a little bit uplifting, a little bit of self-improvement. And especially since we were just discussing former President Donald Trump and how he's so delusional that he thinks he can think declassification of documents into reality, I will have to admit in a surprisingly positive way that Donald Trump is not the only nut. He's just the only destructive nut. I myself am practicing a self-improvement or I'm involved in a self-improvement class that's kind of nuts, sort of like you know, thinking things into reality kind of nuts. But I think the difference is that although I admit that in some ways I might be as crazy to a lesser extent than our former president, my crazy isn't self-destructive or isn't, I shouldn't say communally destructive. The worst that could happen is this particular class that I'm going to tell you about turns out to be nothing and it doesn't help me in any way, shape, or form. But it certainly isn't... Um, going to hurt the, anybody else in the world, and it certainly isn't going to force me to, to devolve into a narcissistic sociopath. But irrespective, I do have to acknowledge that, you know, magical thinking is not just the purview of the former president. And I do think there is some benefit to magical thinking, at least in my perspective. So, I, I, as I, if you listen to the earlier versions of the podcast, some of the earlier episodes, you know that I was doing a hypnosis self-improvement program for, for uh, two weeks, and that has ended. And I like that. That was a that really was all about using different hypnotic techniques uh, to help improve your self-confidence because that is something that I struggle with, and it 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 seems to have worked. I do feel significantly more self-confident. At the same time, I've been working on another course. Uh, my wife and I have been doing this together. I really didn't want to do it, but it's something my wife got tuned into. She liked it, and I wanted to just kind of do the course to support her because it was really, she was getting encouraged, she was getting inspired, and I figured if I did it too, maybe something good would happen, maybe not, but I would encourage her, and then we could talk about it together and, and whatever. So basically, the course is about 
this idea that a lot of us, if we're trying to bring more money into our lives or more abundance or more things or a better job, whatever the case may be, a lot of us over the years and the decades have built up these energetic blocks. Basically, these are based on these beliefs or these lies that we bought into about money, about abundance when we were young, if you believe in reincarnation as I do, maybe in past lives. And you, you kind of buy into these nonsensical beliefs and, and not necessarily for bad reasons and not necessarily that people who gave you these beliefs or introduced you to them were bad. It's just that they're not true things. You buy into that, you kind of ingrain that into your subconscious and then you become an adult and you may not even be aware of these blocks that you have that are actually stopping you from achieving and receiving all the stuff that you want. So in, in this particular case, um, much of this particular thing is about money. This particular course is about money. And so the teacher really was talking about, um, let me give you some examples of some of these beliefs. And I, I now I actually like this class. I'm a few weeks into it and I didn't want to do it probably because I really needed it. You know, often you don't want to do shit that you really need because we don't really want to change on the inside because we're comfortable. Even if our lives are not what we want it to be, we feel safe and comfortable and change is hard and scary. So I, I think the reason I didn't really like it in the beginning is because it, it it feels like it was probably going to work and I was going to have to change my my life if I if, and I was going to have to let go of a lot of limiting beliefs that I had. So for example... When I was a kid, my dad, and I have a great dad, thank God he's still healthy, he's still alive, um, but he, he really worked hard to make sure my sister and I um, had everything we wanted and needed, and, 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 and he's just always been an amazing dad. I'm very blessed uh, to have him in my life. But my dad also was very poor when he was a boy, and he has a consciousness of poverty. So there are things that he would say that sort of resonated with me as a kid and sort of got ingrained in my, in my psyche. Like, for example, if I would leave the lights on, he would say, what do you own, stock in the electric company? Suggesting two things that, one, I was a schmuck for leaving the lights on because it costs too much money and we're not benefiting from it, but also, you know, suggesting that we're not the kind of people, wealthy people that make investments and own stock in things. He would also say, and he still says it to this day, I don't want to be filthy rich. I want to be comfortable. Suggesting again that there was something dirty about being rich, that being wealthy was bad, that having wealth suggested that you were a criminal or a crook. And, you know, and it, Going back to the first part of this podcast, obviously an example, which they certainly had back then, like Donald Trump, would be validation to that belief. And and there were other, the other belief was that you really have to work hard because my dad worked his ass off and he is amazing. But when he was young and even when he was older, he worked two jobs, he always worked hard. And the only way he knew how to make money was to work his ass off at jobs that um, were hard. And I grew up believing, well, I'm proud of him for that, and I am, 
but he didn't want that for me. You know, he worked hard so I wouldn't have to, but I grew up believing that the only way you can get money is to work your ass off and then you'll never get paid what you're worth anyway. But I wasn't processing those memories and I wasn't processing, even at this age now, how those memories have embedded themselves into my subconscious and how they actually block me now from earning the type of money that I would like to earn. So, and the same thing with my mom. I was able to think about, and again, my mom also, like my dad, I was very fortunate. I have an amazing mom. She did a great job raising us, but she also has a, a, you know, a view of money that is more focused on less than, than abundance. Whenever we wanted something or she wanted something, she used to always say to us, we have to wait till it goes on sale. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing way, I mean, I like getting things for the best price, and now it's super easy anyway because something's always on sale you know, these days. But back in the 70s, you genuinely had to wait, and sometimes you had to wait a really long time for something to go on sale. And that mindset of we can't afford this, and someday I'll get it, and I often did, but I often had to wait until we could afford it. Uh, my mom also still to this day, she has a phrase where she always talks about the money. And it could be, we don't have the money. They've got the money. All they want is the money, meaning like companies that are trying to screw her over, they're trying to collect her money. It's always been the money. And that phrase, the money, is, is also something that's kind of really embedded into my psyche. So doing this program, you know, has been very helpful because you kind of see how these create, I mean, I I don't know if you buy into this or not, but I I do, how this creates these energy blocks, you know, in your body, in your spirit, in your consciousness, and how those energy blocks actually interfere with your ability to receive what it is that you really want financially. And once What I like about it is now that I'm into it, once I became aware of these mentalities, these mindsets that I have, it's pretty easy to kind of get rid of them, to let them go. And 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 so I like I like the program. And if you have any, if you're struggling financially, think about it. I mean, you don't have to do a whole course like I'm doing. I'm into this stuff, so I like to do it. But just take a few minutes and think about how you may have been conditioned unintentionally to think that you can't have it for some reason and release it. And I will bet you literally dollars to donuts that that will change. That's it for today. Thank you so much for joining the Tuesday Afternoon Podcast. And I will be back next week on Tuesday afternoon. Have a great week.